This is a Federal News Network podcast. For federal employees and federal employment, 2022 was a year where many changes may have been the biggest constant. More agencies started reopening their fingerprinted, smudged office doors, while many feds were pressing for better telework options at the dining room table. There were big changes in the Thrift Savings Plan and with the Merit Systems Protection Board. Here with a roundup, Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. And telework policies, that might have been the top of mind issue this past year. Drew, tell us more. Definitely, Tom. There were a lot of return to office plans just in the spring that were happening. And it was at the same time pretty clear that a sizable majority of the federal workforce wanted more telework. It's shown up time and time again in a variety of surveys. There were pulse surveys from the General Services Administration, the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey, even our own Federal News Network survey that all basically said federal employees are looking for just more flexibility in their work life. It's came up in OPM testimony to Congress and just the fact that a lot of federal employees were looking for those sorts of opportunities more often. But of course, it's not every agency operates the same and there are plenty of positions that require in-person work. So a lot of agencies who were planning these return to office, some did better than others, at least from the union perspective. There were a couple like the Social Security Administration and the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, who got a lot of pushback from their unions about moving forward with plans that were either too fast or didn't take into account lessons learned from the pandemic. So there's just a lot of conversation around this, and I think it's going to kind of be a, a key topic in the future as well. But in the meantime, most federal employees are teleworking at least some of the time, fair to say? Right. So right now, I think a lot of agencies are on a hybrid work schedule, so most employees are working mostly at home, those who are eligible for it, but maybe going into the office one day a week or one day every other week. It's something that that's kind of been the standard for a lot of agencies. But even with that, a lot of employees have said, you know, what's the point of going into the office if everyone else that day is working remotely or I'm operating in the exact same way in the office versus at home. That's not to say that some people do, you know, really enjoy going into the office. They like that just the kind of more candid conversations you can have and just seeing people in person can bring a different level to work. So I think there's an argument on both sides, but it seems like the majority are looking for at least some telework flexibility. And the coffee's better at home anyway. And something else I think we've both reported on this year is this emphasis on early career hiring. I guess they're proscribed by discrimination laws against saying they're going to hire young people. So now the word is early career hiring. What's been going on there? A common conversation around this has just been the idea that the federal workforce is aging and We aren't quite seeing the fallout of that yet, but it's something where OPM and other agencies are pushing on this, as you said, early career hiring. The data, the most recent data that we've seen shows that just 7% of the federal workforce is under the age of 30, and the average age of federal workers has stayed flat for at least the last five years at 47 years old. So we're also seeing at the same time more federal employees hitting retirement age, even more will be eligible for retirement in the next five years. So in response, OPM has put a lot of emphasis on this idea of early career hiring and recruitment. A lot of this is, you know, within the president's management agenda, looking at increasing internships, paid internship opportunities, then trying to convert those into full-time positions. There's also been some legislative pushes on this. So just trying to address the aging 
workforce problem and other types of um, ways or flexibilities to encourage more young people to join the government. All right. And I guess they've gotten some people in that way, but the percentages don't really change that much seem, somehow from decade to decade, the distribution of ages in the entire workforce. And the other thing that we've seen in the reform front is the federal hiring process itself for whatever age you're hiring. What has happened over the year on that front? There's been some guidance from the Office of Personnel Management that's basically encouraging agencies to look more at Skills-based hiring, that's something that both the Trump administration and the Biden administration have emphasized as important, you know, just looking at a candidate's actual skills rather than where they got them. So that may kind of change the way that agencies look to hire people. There's also a push to expand something called SMEQA, which is the subject matter expert qualification assessments. There were a couple of successful pilots on that this year with, for example, with the State Department and I think OPM and the Chico Counselor are looking to expand some of those as well. And, um, you know, just also trying to use maybe more shared certificates. That's something that agencies seem to like, basically hiring multiple candidates off of one job posting. So just like kind of these little piecemeal ways to fix parts of the federal hiring process. And let's change topics here for a moment, uh, like a zombie's hand reaching up from the buried grave. Schedule F keeps coming around and around. Give us the update on Schedule F that went through the ringer this year. As a quick recap, Schedule F was a Trump administration executive order that would have reclassified about 50,000 policy-related positions outside merit systems principles within the federal workforce, essentially making them easier to fire. They touted it as something that would provide more flexibility, but it's gained a lot of pushback, especially in Congress. There have been multiple efforts to change that or prevent a future Schedule F from happening. It's something that's already been revoked, but none of that has really become official. It was left out of the NDAA. It was left out of the omnibus. So it's kind of up in the air still, and I think uh, we are probably going to see a continued push to from Democrats, at least, to try to prevent that in the future. All right, and let's talk about the Thrift Savings Plan. That's central to every federal employee's experience. It is a very well-run, kind of a blue-chip program for 401ks in the federal context. But that saw some changes, too, and some things didn't go so well in the past year, did they? Absolutely. So basically what we saw over the summer was the TSP just getting a big update to its record-keeping system, which resulted in Thrift Savings Plan participants seeing a new My Account system, a new platform, just a lot of updates from the TSP all at once. And that led to there were a lot of technical issues, a lot of issues with their customer service center. And you know a lot of those early problems have subsided where you know it doesn't take any more two hours to reach a customer service representative, but it still gained a lot of attention in Congress. And people are still upset about some of the long-term changes with it, with the way that the new My Account platform is structured. Some of the information that was available before is no longer readily available. So there are more long-term concerns about it, but we'll kind of see how that goes next year. There's going to be a GAO report on it, so that might give us a couple of answers. But it did seem like the Thrift Retirement Savings Board was knocking down the problems one by one. And if you look at the recent statistics, most people are getting answers to queries 
via the online means and not by telephone. That's right. There is a lot more emphasis on just something called self-service. So a lot of people are using the app to get answers, using FAQs, and it's a lot, you know, that's kind of the way that they're trying to structure it more now. So that was basically the whole reason behind this update is just to make it easier for TSP participants. And a final question. We saw the Merit Systems Protection Board finally get its quorum and its full membership after, what, three, four, five years without it. Have they made progress since that happened? Yeah, so it, it was five years, and they have started to work through this case backlog that they have, but it still is going to take a couple of years to fully remove that if they stay on track. We've also seen them lay out some plans for federal workforce type reports that they're going to release over the next couple of years. They just had one come out on sexual harassment at federal agencies. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those coming up in the near future. And that means you've got a lot to report on in the coming year. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman, thanks so much. Thank you. And check out all of her stories so far at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership Today especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they they basically were in d- direct care. And, and I will say, you know, and I obviously will say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, pr- profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought well you know I'll take a look at it and see, see you know throw, uh, send in my information, and lo and behold I I, I get hired, and um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington D.C. and you know, uh, Terrell, who who works in in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's you know getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has a has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And 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 you think of I I you know so often when you'll walk away, I'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he, he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them, 
you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of watch, watch your hands a bit. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved, uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I'd mentioned earlier, um, where people, and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, it's not just school age, it's, it's uh, you know, we say nine to 99 or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly 
revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.